coming up on the Stark Finder podcast. You know, she started looking at me and then she goes, there's something wrong with your neck. And I said, nah, that's just baby weight. I'm getting fat. Erica Courtney Mann was feeling tired and her doctor noticed that her neck didn't look right. Lots of vocal cord and then they biopsied the granulomas and was like, hey, you got sarcoidosis. And I was like, what, what? Coming up, Erica shares the story of how she lost vocal cords to sarcoidosis and how she is still fighting the good fight for her and others like her. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hi guys, I'm your host, John Carlin. I do this podcast to offer fellow Sark fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients to hear their stories, understand how sarcoidosis affects their lives, and hopefully, hopefully, gives you a chance to understand what you're up against and what you need to overcome, whether it's the disease or the effects of the medicine or both, and sometimes it's kind of hard to decide which is worse. In just a few minutes, we'll be hearing from Sark fighter Erica Courtney Mann, who, like most of us, was really caught off guard when she was diagnosed, but so far she is the first one I've interviewed who's lost her vocal cords to Sark. Not all of them, but some of them. She still speaks very well, and to listen to her, you would not know, but wow, that's scary, especially, um, honestly, to me, for somebody who speaks for a living. So, uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk about that. Before I get to the interview today, though, uh, a couple of notes, and and you're going to enjoy, uh, Erica, when when that uh, part of the program comes up today, but I want to let you know that I've returned to the elimination diet, uh, which is something that uh, basically you take dairy and gluten and sugar out of your diet and anything else that is kind of known as a potential inflammatory agent. And when you remove those things, it doesn't leave you with a whole lot left to eat. So I've been eating a lot of grilled chicken uh, or chicken that's been fried in uh, certain oils like extra virgin olive oil with just salt and pepper on it, a lot of salads. Um, You know, when you say no dairy, that means no eggs. And I'll talk a little bit more about eggs in just a second. But I did this last year, and it's something that... uh, uh, dietitian, nutritionist, Lindsay Norenberg from Nourish by Lindsay that you've heard me mention many times, and she's been a guest on the podcast. She's helping me once again and you know, sort of holding me accountable. So uh, I'm going through this the same as I did last year. Um, it's giving me uh, you know, a couple of benefits. Number one, uh, it helps your body reset. So I feel like I went through this, and 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 we know from research that it resets your gut biome. So basically, the types of bacteria that live in your gut, your stomach, your intestines. That you know, there are there's always all kinds of bacteria, and you want them to be in the optimized percentages of what's best for your body. And I don't want to get into an area I don't understand too much, so I'm going to keep this 
very broad, but the elimination diet, if nothing else, for me, helps my body get those percentages back where they're supposed to be. Does that make sense? So uh, last year when I did it, I felt like the whole year, even though I slipped slowly throughout the course of the year and did my best to eat well, I knew a lot more about eating better. It, It allowed me to make good choices when I could or when I could resist. Um, I will tell you by the fourth quarter of last year, so start thinking around Thanksgiving and Christmas, forget it, it was game over. I was back to eating pretty much everything I wanted, um, desserts, yada, 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 and, and it was it was not good. So um, I'm doing it again. And uh, the other benefit from this, which I didn't see coming last year, but was very pleased, is that I lost a lot of weight while I was on the diet. I lost about 20 pounds. And so far, after three plus weeks, I've lost 10 pounds. So um, I'll take that. And most of it is like belly fat, which is yay, because who wants extra belly fat? So my clothes are fitting better, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, uh, so last year it did, it did well. I had a, I had a great year health-wise, SARC-wise. Didn't have any flare-ups, knock on wood, and... You know, I, there's, there's a bunch of different things I can attribute that to, medications and exercise and eating well and, and making healthy choices. But, I, you know, I had a good year. I did not have a, a bad year sarcoidosis-wise. I didn't have a great deal of fatigue, uh, especially as the year went on. Uh, you guys know that I'm a big bicyclist. I was able to, to really get out there and aggressively ride my bike. I am working with a, um, a personal fitness strength trainer right now and I'm able to to do everything he wants me to do in terms of uh, core fitness and just getting some strength back and you know so so I've been able to battle through all of those things and I think all of those things help but I think starting you start with your diet and uh, so so basically uh, I've you know like I found out when talking to Lindsay I was going to Chipotle and getting a salad but I was putting beans and rice in my salad, and she was like, tisk tisk, John, you're not supposed to have beans and rice. I'm like, well, you know, I can't just eat the lettuce. And she said, well, uh, you know, do that if you have to, but just be be super careful, okay? Um, and if you do this properly, what you slowly do, most people who do the elimination diet do it uh, for the gut reset, but also then you start to slowly add foods back and find out what makes you feel crummy. And I know that when I eat pizza, I feel crummy. And think about that. That's dairy, that's grease, that's pepperoni, which has all that processed food in it. There's crust, which is full of gluten. And it's absolutely delicious. I love pizza, but I know when I eat pizza that I'm going to feel awful. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was about a week and a half into the elimination diet and uh, my wife and I met another couple. We're good friends, and so we decided to go out for breakfast. And I said, "All right, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a healthy omelet." So I ordered an omelet with like greens in it, which is not me. You know, I'm a ham and cheese and bacon omelet kind of guy, right? So I had not lettuce. I I had um, spinach and avocado and, I don't know, something else that seemed healthy in my omelet. 
And I still, I mean, I can tell you that I felt awful when I got home. I, I mean, I just had a bad day all day. I just kind of felt crummy and moped around the house and laid on the couch and it was a bad day. And I attribute that to those eggs. So I'm going to have to take a hard look at eggs going forward because, um, you know, I did not have a complete gut reset at that point, but I, there was nothing else that I could point a finger at that was the likely cause of my lethargy on that particular Sunday. And I, you know, I would say it kind of cost me a day. So anyway, and then my wife and I went out to dinner a couple nights ago. I was very good. I had salmon and a sweet potato. I did, I did allow them to put butter on the sweet potatoes. That's dairy. Shouldn't have had that. Didn't have any ill effects from that. It was a Valentine's Friday night deal and the deal just came with a slice of cheesecake. So I didn't eat the cheesecake. We brought the cheesecake home and my wife, Mary, is also trying to do the elimination diet, although she's not being as strict as I am. But we didn't touch the cheesecake this morning right before I started recording and I'm recording on uh, February 13th. Right before I started recording, she came in and she looked at me with a sheepish grin on her face. She said, I just had a bite of the cheesecake and it was so good. And I was like, don't even tell me. Don't even tell me. Okay, because And now all I can think about is the cheesecake. I will not go and eat the cheesecake. Now, um, but today, uh, again, being February 13th, and this is 2022, is the day of the Super Bowl. And after I finish recording... I'm going to a Super Bowl party at a friend's house, and of course, there will be all of this food, and Super Bowl food is notoriously bad and actually notoriously good uh, tasting. Uh, if I could go to a restaurant and just order Super Bowl food, anybody will tell you who knows me, like I could live on the appetizers, okay? I don't need the main course. Just bring me the appetizers. Bring me a plate of gooey nachos covered with everything from the kitchen, and I will be the happiest camper you ever saw. Um, I would just soon have that as anything. And that's kind of what Super Bowl food is. But the hostess, I said, I might not come to the party because I can't resist the temptation. And she said, I will make a chili that I know what your parameters are, and it's going to be 95% okay. So maybe some ground beef. Um, I doubt that it will. Be, and these people eat very healthy because that's how they live their lives. I don't know if it'll be grass-fed, but I would prefer that it be grass-fed ground beef. But ground beef and some chili and some spices and some tomatoes. Tomatoes are a nightshade, whatever that means, vegetable, which is supposed to be bad. But so maybe I can get through the Super Bowl and not be too awful bad. I probably will have a beer. Alcohol is not on the diet. Haven't had any since the diet started. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'll report back to you. I'll let you know how it goes uh, when I release in a couple weeks uh, because I'm sure that if I go overboard that I'm going to feel crummy tomorrow, Monday. And... Um, and I'll let you know. I'll let you know what happened. That's all I can do. Uh, so the diet is good until we are headed to Disney World in Florida for four days at the end of the month. And that will be the end of the elimination diet for me. So uh, and then I will slowly start adding those things back and I will slowly um slowly begin to eat badly again. But by then, I should be, the weather should be changing. The, it'll be getting warmer here in Virginia. I'll be getting outside. I'll be exercising more. And that's a nice offset. So we'll see. 
Okay, I'll let you know. And then the other thing that's going on with me that is Sark related is, again, this year, just like last year, my insurance company wants to stop paying for my Humira. And so I take Humira and azathioprine or azathioprine or I'm not, I've never, I've heard even doctors pronounce it differently, whatever it is, but Humira is expensive. And every year the, my doctor has to reapply for me to continue receiving Humira. And every year his appeal gets rejected. Well, now this year it has been rejected three times, including the last time, which went through as an emergency repeal, uh, uh, appeal. And uh, Humera has written letters back explaining why they don't think it's a good idea, why it can't be combined with another drug, why uh, there's been no shown efficacy for Humera and sarcoidosis, and it's not on label for sarcoidosis. They, they come up with all of these excuses. And I'm mad about it. And he's mad about it. And so now I'm looking at, okay, I've got a couple weeks left of Humira left. We've had three rejections. My doctor's very busy. You know, I, it's not like I'm his only patient and all he's got time to do is fight with my insurance company. And I'm not naming the insurance company right now because I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to make them, I, I can't decide if I should just name them and shame them into giving me what I need, or if I should go the other way and give them grace and give them a chance to get this right. And right now I've opted for giving them grace, which is typically my approach to things. Um, but if this doesn't go my way soon, you'll be hearing which insurance company it is, and I'll be reading the letters, and we will be talking about this, and I will have my doctor come on and we'll see what's happening. And I know I'm not the only one. I know with sarcoidosis, once you get past prednisone and methotrexate, uh, there, there's really no therapy. So when I wanted to have Remicade, that was an issue. Um, when others have tried to get Remicade, that was an issue. Uh, and these, you know, these are expensive drugs and the insurance companies fight back. And, uh, and in my mind, they're fighting back because they don't want to pay for it. Uh, and, but on the other hand, since I've started taking Humira, I've been feeling a lot better. My, it, so in my mind, it's working and I have some of the top doctors in the entire country working on my case at Cleveland clinic where, uh, there is more time devoted to sarcoidosis than there is at other you know, local hospitals uh, or or other clinics around the country, there are, in my mind, a handful of places where sarcoidosis is front and center and really studied and have clinics where the doctors are devoted to nothing but dealing with sarcoidosis. Cleveland is one of them. They know what they're talking about. And when that doctor writes a note to my insurance company, I can't believe they feel like they have more expertise than my doctor. And it's just so frustrating. So, um, and if it leads to a flare, a lot of people are going to hear about it. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to scream from the rooftops. So I'll let you know how, how that all goes. All right. And, and I'm sharing my story because I know that in a certain sense, it's your story or you don't know that, that you're not the only one that's happening to. And again, 
Uh, my job here with the Sark Fighter podcast is to shine a light on all things sarcoidosis. And I've talked for longer than I intended to. We've got a great interview coming up with Erica Courtney Mann, and she's going to be telling you her story. And that's next here on the Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter podcast. Joining me now is Erica Courtney Mann, a fellow Sark Fighter. Erica, thank you for joining me. Oh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You live in Chicago, right? I am originally from Chicago, but I am now in Hookham Territory in Houston, Texas. Oh, you're in Houston. Okay, but you're from Chicago. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, the weather's got to be much better in Houston this time of year. We're in January, right? Yeah, it's a little better. I'm complaining. I shouldn't because Chicago just got a whole bunch of snow, um, but it's cold down here. I don't like it. <laughs> what do you consider cold? Uh, for Houston, 50s and 40s, that's cold. Yeah, that's not fair. Yeah, I know. I moved right? down to get warm weather all the time. <laughs> there you go. So tell me about your case of sarcoidosis. When did you first start feeling like something wasn't right? Um, so I went to the doctor and I kept going, I'm tired. And she's like, okay, well, you have a toddler. And I'm like, yeah, and a husband and a house and a job. And I'm really, really tired. And then two months later, I appeared back in her office and went, I'm really tired. Like, I'm tired. And she's like, yeah, this is the second time you've come here. And I said, yeah, I'm tired. And she's like, oh, you need to exercise some more. You need to get busy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have any energy for that. So I went after that. And I was, I was in tears. And I said, I'm really, really tired. And I don't know what's wrong. And at that point, she was like, all bets are off. We got to you know, we got to do something about this because you're, you know, she started looking at me and then she goes, there's something wrong with your neck. And I said, no, nah, that's just baby weight. I'm getting fat. <laughs> she uh -huh. goes, no, I don't think your neck is supposed to be that big. And I was like, I'm big boned. It's fine. I'm tired. And so she sent me to a specialist, an ENT specialist, and they looked down my throat and they were like, hey, there's these things growing in your throat. In your throat? And I don't think yes. So they were granulomas. But they didn't know it was sarcoidosis at the time, right? So they're like, yeah, we got to get these out of there. And then I went back for another scope and they were like, you lost one of your vocal cords. The granulinoma was sitting on my vocal cord. And I'm like, yeah, just slice me up and get this stuff up, you know, get anything of it. And by the time I went for my surgery, my two granulomas turned into six granulomas. And at that point, they were like, something's going on, like something's very, very wrong. So they took out five and a half because there was one that was so big, 
it was like near veins and they couldn't get rid of all. They were like, we're just going to watch it. Uh-huh. Lots of vocal cord. And then they biopsied the granulomas and was like, hey, you got sarcoidosis. And I was like, what, what? Are, are you speaking English? I was like, what is this? And it was just, um, it kind of, that's that was my introduction into living with sarcoidosis. It started in my larynx. So, wow. um, you're the yeah. first person I've never heard of one of those cases before. Yeah. It's pretty rare to get it in your learning. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so two months, maybe three months after it re- they removed it, it moved down to my lungs. And I was like, this thing is on the move. Like this guy has skates. Like what's going on? So they were like, Hey, we got a wild. And I was kind of in denial. Right. I was like, no, I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's something else. You know, I was coming up with all these things, but I was still reading these medical journals, right? At night. Cause I was like, what is sarcoidosis? What is going on? Like with my body, right? So it moved down to my, um, my chest. And then I went into remission for like four years, four or five years. I was okay. Numbers were, were good. I wasn't on medication. Everything was, I was like, oh, I got this stuff sorted out. And then at the end of in December of 2017, I go to Starbucks. I have my caramel, you know, macchiato, extra whip, some extra drizzle. I drink it and I go, whoa, that's hot. And then I start touching the roof of my mouth. And I was like, I don't think it's supposed to. I go to the dentist because I was going to the dentist to get my uh, teeth clean. I was trying to sneak in a latte before I had my, te- yeah. <laughs> my teeth okay. clean. I go and my dentist who works with sarcoidosis patients, he goes, yeah, you're not getting your teeth clean today. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, your sark is back and it's on the roof of your mouth and we're going to have to biopsy to make sure. And I'm like, hold up a minute. I've been good. Like I've, this is, can't be happening. And yeah, when they biopsied it, it was sarcoidosis. So I have sarcoidosis, um, I have larynal, um, larynx, lungs, and oral. Three card Monty. Yes. Wow. So, (laughs) so are you taking prednisone right now as we're speaking? No. So I had a, um, once it, um, they realized like this thing is moving fast. They put me on pregnant, weaned me off, and then I went on. So I am on azathioprine daily. Uh huh. So am I. <laughs> yeah. So am I. But you know, it doesn't doesn't. I don't have any side effects from it. So let it roll, it right? Yeah. And you know what? I was at first. I was really scared. I'm totally gonna admit that. I was looking up the side effects of azathioprine, and I'm like oh my gosh, this could happen to me, right? And then I finally had a rheumatologist that was really like caring and honest with me. And he was like, listen, you have a little girl. You have a good life. I think you're a good person. Just fight through the fear. Let me help you stay alive. And instantly when he said that, I was like, yeah, let's do that. Living, yes. I like to stay above ground. Let's try to as a thyroid see how it goes. Um, and they did it by doses. So the lowest dose was like totally ineffective. And then I went up a dose and I was like, dude, I'm getting nervous. 
And he's like, remember, staying alive. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's the mantra. <laughs> staying alive. Um, now I'm on as a firefriend and now I'm an advocate trying to help other uh, people have positive outcomes with sarcoidosis. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're also an advocate. And so people who are listening to this and if they feel like, wow, that's somebody I can talk to, they can reach out to you and you yeah. sort of help guide them through whatever it is they're dealing with. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to help people. I, I want people to know that it's not a death sentence, right? If you, you know, if you ask for help, you engage in your treatments. And if you connect to the sarcoidosis community through like FSR, you can get to a place where it's not as scary and you might have better health outcomes than you would if you just go it alone. That's that's really the message I want to get to people is like, you don't have to do this alone. There you go. All right. Awesome. So, um, so you work, right? Yes. Okay. What do you do? I am an accountant. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, so are um, a, a bookkeeping or what kind of accounting do you do? I am the person you would call to translate a journal entry into like SAP. So I'm like the computer nerd that like speaks the computer language. And then I go talk to the accountants who don't want to use a computer. <laughs> okay. Now I'm married to an accountant. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to go because I've heard every accountant joke there is out there, but I'm talking to you and you are wearing these big, bold glasses and you obviously <laughs> have a huge personality and you're a ton of fun. Come on, accountant, really? Yes. My mother, uh, when I went to university, my mother was like, you're going to be an accountant. You have an unnatural love for numbers. And I remember my junior year, I changed my major to marketing. I was like, no, I'm creative. And uh, one of the moms in the business college office called my mom and was like, she changed her major to marketing. And my mom flew up to the school <laughs> and she was like, change it back. You're an accountant. I've been an accountant ever since. <laughs> well, all right. So, so well, you'll just have to put your creativity to work uh, helping sarcoidosis patients. How's that? Yes. Yes. I have a really creative side and I am definitely putting those skills to work, talking to people, um, you know, just working with different people to just say, hey, um, you got to learn more about this disease and people can help you. And that's why I'm so I'm just so happy to be on the women of color uh, patient advocacy, because I feel like this is me giving back to all of the medical professionals, the nurses, the doctors, and, uh, and every all the good things that I've gotten from FSR. It's a way for me to give back. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's so we're, we talked, we've already done a podcast on the uh, Women of Color Committee, um, and we'll be working on uh, another project with FS, FSR, which will uh, appear as a podcast. Um, but I want to, I just want to touch on that because there's an exercise that you can do where you start out, everybody starts out with a score of 18 and then, and then you do something and it's, it's along these lines. So, and I don't know if you've seen it or not, but you know, if you live in a food desert, subtract one, if you don't have insurance, subtract one, if you are a woman, subtract one, if you're a minority, subtract one, if you're 
LGBTQ subtract one, da, 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 da. and you go down. And so you, you start out with 18. And then when you look at the group that typically, unfortunately, has the lowest score at the end, it's African-American women. Yeah, it is. We're three times more likely to get sarcoidosis than white women, white men, and two times as likely to get more sarcoidosis uh, more than African-American men. So yeah, we did not win the lottery. Yeah, you're, you're, you're more likely to get it and less likely to be able to access treatment. So it's a yes. double-edged sword. It is. Um, you know, there's barriers and higher rates of hospitalization and mortality, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it becomes really scary when you're first diagnosed. Um, And I think that's why FSR is such a great um, organization because they're trying to help, you know, the people who feel like they can't access help or Mm -hmm. access, you know, treatment and get around those barriers. They're really a bridge between the sarcoidosis patient that wants good health outcomes and the resources they need to get good health outcomes. Right. And, you know, and so there are naysayers out there who say, well, we can't be focusing our efforts on one particular group of people. And really what what I see happening is that that is a group of people that needs help because they've got some some hurdles to get over. But but you and I are taking the exact same medicine. I'm a white girl, you're a black female. We're both taking azathioprine, right? Right. Yeah. So whatever whatever turns out to help you is probably going to help me and all the rest of the people who might be listening right now who suffer from sarcoidosis. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you get it on your, on your, in your throat, or if you get it in your lungs or on your kidney, you still take prednisone. I mean, it doesn't seem to matter where it shows up. We're all taking the same drugs to control it. Exactly. But I always believe that like we're connected, right? I think all of us, and in this type of situation, when you help, the people that need it the most, mm-hmm. everybody that needs to help will ultimately benefit. And that's, I think, what the message that we really want to point out, like this group of people, everybody is going to benefit. Um, and we just have to convince people like, hey, we're all in this together. So, Right. Now, you had to convince your family to kind of get on board with what you had going on. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk about with you. They said, oh, you got Bernie Max disease. That's what they called it. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people about sarcoidosis um, and Bernie Mac was a, uh, he's a beloved character, you know, comedian, but he's a Chicago, he's a Chicago, like just gym, right? He embodies everything that, you know, Chicagoans love. And so when he passed away, it touched a lot of people. Well, I had two aunts who knew Bernie Mac. He was famous. Like he used to work these odd jobs. And um, my aunt used to talk about how he was telling jokes when he used to bag groceries. So she knew him back when. Um, really (laughs) Really back when. Right. So when he passed away, I don't think people really knew what sarcoidosis was. Um, and so they just kind of, you know, married the two. They were like, Bernie Mac has sarcoidosis. I'm just going to call it Bernie Mac's disease. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But this is like really, really kind of scary. And there's like, 
you know, it has different forms and it affects a lot of people. So when I was talking to my family, when I originally got diagnosed, I was like, hey, I have sarcoidosis and I don't really know what this is. And they're like, yeah, you got Bernie Max disease. And I'm like, yeah, he's dead. Don't say that. You know, like, you know, it was just really kind of that thing. Um, and I kept talking about it. So that's what I kind of did for myself is that I kept talking to my family about it. Like when it came back in 2017, I was like, hey, my sarcoidosis is back. I'm no longer in remission. And then um, I started explaining to them, this is how it affects me. Like I'm fatigued. Uh, I even made a call tree so that my family knew like, hey, when I send out this group text, that means that I've kind of hit a wall and I need, you know, my support system or someone to help. And so as I started talking about it more and more, they started really embracing the fact like, hey, you have a, you know, rare disease and it affects you three different places and it affects how I parent, how I co-parent, work, um, what I can do. Um, so once I heard them say that when I went home for Christmas, like, how's your sarcoidosis? I just was like, I've moved a needle. This is amazing. <laughs> They, because they said sarcoidosis instead of Bernie Mac and they yes. want, they're willing to talk about it. Right. I mean, that's, yes. that's one of the hard things for people. If you're surrounded by folks who don't want to talk about it or pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, it's just, you just can't. And I think I talked about it enough that I have a family member who had the same symptoms and they finally went to go see if they had sarcoidosis. And they were given a, um, a diagnosis. So I feel like that they got diagnosed earlier than they would have if they just alone. And so, they did they did have sarcoidosis? Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What were what were uh what were their symptoms? Uh the lung thing, like to, like coughing and feeling exhausted and fatigue. Um, and they were like, hey. I think I have what you have. <laughs> and I'm like, you better go get checked out. <laughs> can I ask, can I ask you, because I think people might be wondering this. I want to go back to the roof of your mouth. Can you describe what it was like feeling that on the roof of your mouth without it being too gross for people? Oh yeah, sure. So imagine having your favorite coffee and then it feels like you've burnt the roof of your mouth, like a total McDonald's too hot coffee moment. Yeah, And I was like, oh, I burnt the roof of my mouth. But the lattes at Starbucks are never that hot, right? So I was right. just, I feel like, oh, it's a one-off. Um, but then I touched the roof of my mouth and I'm telling my age now, it felt like Laffy Taffy. Have you ever had Laffy Taffy? Yeah, yeah, sure. So it felt like Laffy Taffy. And I was like, I'm sure the roof of my mouth is not supposed to feel like Laffy Taffy. This is weird. Um, and it was in one little spot. And I was like, holy crap. And then when I went to go try to get my teeth clean, that's why my dentist you know, was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, there's something there. And we need to figure out what that is. So. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't guess there are many dentists who would recognize sarcoidosis. My dentist is pretty amazing. Um, I happenstance upon him because I needed to get a tooth pulled and the other dentist was like really freaked out because I had sarcoidosis and I was like just pull the tooth out I'm gonna be fine 
And they were like, no, there's this guy who has sarcoidosis patients and your, you know, your dental hygiene is really important because we could sit, you know, he didn't, they didn't want to send me into a flare. They didn't want to trigger anything. So he works with patients. And when he's like, hey, we can't do this right now. You got to make sure your sarcoidosis is under control or you're not in the middle of something. I usually take his word on it because he's right. And he called it. And he's like, that doesn't look right. (laughs) And I was like, it feels right. It feels like Laffy Taffy. So yeah, have you ever touched the roof of your mouth and it's like a soft spot that feels like Laffy Taffy? Go see somebody. That would be the next thing to do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how's your energy level these days? I mean, you you feel like, I mean, just sitting here talking, it feels like you've got a lot of energy, or maybe you're just up because you're on the Sark Fighter podcast. <laughs> I'm up because I'm on the Sark Fighter podcast. Also, as a thiopriant, really, really helps. So before I got on as a thiopriant, the fatigue, like the workday, going to work, and then doing homework with my kid was like, that's it. I didn't have anything else left and it really was bothering me because it's not really, it's, it's not only physical, it's the mental because you're a parent, you're, you want to do things and you're like, Hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm in the prime of my life. I want to do stuff. And your body is literally like lay down We're we're done. The tank is empty. I'm not doing anything else. So I really cherish the fact that I have like this much more energy daily and I try to just kind of be happy about it. Yeah. I'm curious because, you know, it's, there seems to me if you have sarcoidosis in your lungs, that there's a natural connection between that and being tired and fatigued. Like you go up the stairs and you lose breath because your lungs aren't working properly. But when you have it in your larynx, and you're still tired, that's sarcoidosis doing its thing. And it's not because of a decreased amount of lung capacity. It's just right, sarcoidosis. Exactly. It's just the fatigue that comes with it. Right. Yeah, Cause your body is like, you know, I, I try to just, dis- I described it to my daughter when she was little as, as mommy's body is going to war with itself. And it's almost like, that's what the fatigue feels like. Right. It's like, your body is like, fighting itself (laughs) and you're like everybody calm down like just everybody sit down and it's like no I'm attacking myself and you know it's like Sparta 300 up in there and you're just like stop it so thank god for as a thyroid because that's basically what it It was like I found a voice I tell you, so have you had to do like Remicade or any of the things where where you go and get IV so deal the deal with my rheumatologist was if azathioprine stops working you got to move on to remicade because i was like no to mess me- pronounce it methotrexate. methotrexate yes so i was kind of like a big you know to that i was like nah i didn't i didn't think i could survive it i really think that that was going to be a body blow to me like my body was just going to be like nah so we made a deal if azathioprine ever stops working i gotta go on remicade Gotcha. A bit braver now. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's good. So, well, I mean, so you had four years of remission and then it came back in 20. So you've been dealing with this for what, like 10 years? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was diagnosed in October, 2011. 2011. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you were able to get into the to the four years. So so now you're working uh, as an advocate. You've got support from your your family, which I think is so important. Um, what do you what do you want to see happen uh, from your perspective on the women of color committee? What do you want to see happen there? I want to see us actually kind of bring more black women into the fold and for them to ask questions and to say, you know, even if it's the basic question, like, how do I get help? Who can I talk to? Or just talking to someone like, this is really getting me down. How can I navigate this? That's what I want to see. That's my, you know, personal objective. Can we, you know, just kind of open our arms up and be like, hey, we're here for you. Let us help you feel better. Even if it's just, you know, the dealing with the depression or, you know, sharing some tips and tricks of how, you know, we all deal with the sarcoidosis. Now, you know, in a partnership, maybe with a new provider that can help them. That's what we want to see. And then we also want to partner with clinicians and doctors to, you know, help them better understand and be more empathetic because, you know, some doctors are like, hey, they didn't show up for their appointment, right? Well, maybe if the prednisone is like kicking your butt, you, you know, and you just got off a like eight hour shift, you really just want to go lay down in a bed. You didn't miss it because you don't want help. You missed it because you're physically able to just get there and you might not have a support system to get you there. So yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what we're hearing a lot about, you know, when we look at, you know, statistically, uh, you've got somebody who's, you know, working a, a job that makes them tired. They're they're getting back and forth from their job on mass transit. Yeah. The, and then they get home and they maybe don't have a sitter or a significant other. Mm-hmm. And so then they can't make it to the appointment. Yeah. And it's sometimes I, I raise my hand because I was this person. Sometimes you're scared and you don't have the right. Um, physician, maybe their bedside manner doesn't kind of pull you in. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to skip this one and I'll see how I'm doing. And I, and that was me. I was kind of like bold and I was reading medical journals and I was Googling stuff and I was on the FSR website. And I was like, I can, I can do this. I felt like Captain Kirk and Star Trek. I was like, I'm going beyond. I'm going to go beyond. And, but I was scared and it was, I was really like, I hadn't connected with a psychologist yet, but I will say I'm very, very lucky, very lucky girl, because I did meet specialists who actually cared about me as a person and they helped me kind of work through that fear. So I hope that we can kind of partner other sarcoidosis patients with people who care and can help them have better outcomes. Do you, do you, have you found as a uh, African-American woman that sometimes doctors disregard you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I gotta tell you this story. So uh, when I finally pulled up my boots and was like, I'm ready to take medication. <laughs> I'm out of remission. And I finally accepted it and was like, I gotta take some medicine. Um, and it was really, my ENT doctor was like, if you don't get on medication, those things are going to come back in your neck. And I was like, yeah, no. Okay. Like, all right, I'll go take some medicine. Um, I went to see this doctor and 
I was talking to her. I was really nervous. And so when I'm really nervous, I have like a folder. I, I become an accountant when I'm really nervous. I'm like data numbers. I had a folder, a file folder with like all my stuff. And I presented her the folder. And I was like, so here's my case thus far, you know. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to write you a prescription for mental trust. And I was like, whoa, whoa, let's take me out on a date first. Like, what's going on here? Let's talk about this, right? Right. Um, And she's like, well, listen, you have sarcoidosis and, you know, you're a black woman and it's really bad for, you know, your community. So you really need to get on this and you got to take this bullet acid. You got to do this. And then I'll just see you in like three months. And I was really livid. But I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just close my folder. going to head out. Thank you so much. And she sent the prescription to my pharmacy and the folic acid tablets. And I just thought to myself, you didn't, you weren't listening to me. So I went and I found, I went and talked to another rheumatologist and he is amazing. So I just kind of took it upon myself because I was like, if you don't listen to me, and I'm in need, I'm trying to tell you about my disease, then when things go wrong, you're not going to, you're not going to hear me because you wouldn't have been paying attention to what's going on. So yeah, that you do get that where people are just kind of like, oh, you got sarcoidosis, there's some prednisone, there's some methotrexate, see you in three months. And you're like, no, date me first, talk to me, see how I feel. Like, let's have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a person, I, you know, and you sit in those rooms, right? And then, so, yes. you know, you go in the waiting room and then you go sit in the individual room and then they come yeah. walking in. Sometimes they know your name. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get on the computer. Sometimes they don't. Right. Usually, usually mine have gotten on the computer and I'm like, I'm sitting right here. Why? Let's just talk, you know, just let me tell you how I'm feeling. Let me tell you what my concerns are. Let me see if I'm inventing stuff in my brain or if I really right. do feel it. You know, am I really this tired? Do I really need to nap every time I pass the couch? You know, um, <laughs> you know or or am I just convincing myself that I, I get a free ride now? You know, I, I just want someone to talk to, right? Right. Yeah. So I so the good thing is, I found a great rheumatologist and um, I was able to talk to him and he listens, but, you know, he also really values his patients. And um, we talked about this app where I think it was, is it UPenn had like a study for people with sarcoidosis to report how you feel. And I like whipped out the app and I was like, here's my data this far. And he was like, oh, that's cool. You're a data person. Okay. And so he kind of talks to me in that way, because he realized like, okay, let's talk about, you know, probability. Let's talk about the data. Let's talk about your last labs. Let's look at your numbers. And so we've had like a wonderful, wonderful, you know, relationship. And I feel really cared for as a patient, but it took me not being listened to, <laughs> to be like, yeah, this is not going to work for me. Like, yeah. Right. Well, see, so now you are in Houston. Is that where your doctor is? Your rheumatologist? Yeah. Uh Okay. So you're in a big major metro area, what the third or fourth largest metro area in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have rheumatologists from which to choose. Yes. Where I live and where a lot of the people that have been on the show live, they have a hard time finding rheumatologists Really. or 
Yeah. Um, or like, you know, like you, you have an ENT because you had it in your throat, right? Right. And then your dentist is involved and you probably have a pulmonologist. Do you not? Because oh yeah, I got a pulmonologist. Yeah, right? I got right? a pulmonologist. <laughs> but, but your lead person is the rheumatologist. Yes. Right. And it wasn't always like that. So I had to coming in, like I grew up really poor in Chicago, right? You went to the doctor when it was like life-threatening, right? Or you had a cold for like nine months. So I was just kind of used to powering through like, oh, you know, I'm a former athlete. I'm a mom. I can do this. And so it went from my PCP to getting an ENT to getting a pulmonologist as it goes to the rheumatologist. And then I had to go to dentist. Like I didn't even know all these people knew about sarcoidosis. But the one thing I did realize when I got, I started kind of galvanizing my Avengers, I was like, okay, we're going to form Voltron and we're going to keep me alive and make me feel better. So um, just recently I had to have a surgery and I had to get clearance, right? My, my surgeon was like, yeah, talk to your, rheumato- your rheumatologist. I'm not touching you unless your sarcoidosis is like A, under control. And so I I literally just wrote like a to all my doctors. I was like, hey, your girl's having surgery. We got to form Voltron. All the Avengers get together. Stay in on this. I need clearance. And that's what happens. Because I realize that, you know, I have a team. And yeah. I want yeah. other people to realize like, hey, these people are part of your team. And if you think of yourself as like a mission or you know your body as like this kind of company we got to keep together then you you look at them in a different way you look at them as a a partnership like we're in this together so you know help me and I will you know be communicative I will be engaging but that's what you know I expect of them Mm -hmm. we're on a journey together right what kind of athlete were you and I was a dancer for a very very long time uh, you you cut out on me. I'm sorry. You were what? And then a dancer? Oh, um, I ran track. I did the hurdles, um, long jump and high jump. Wow. Yes. Wow. In college? In high school. In high college, school. I did country. And in college, I did four years of dance. So, nice. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I've talked to a number of athletes who've had sarcoidosis or, or just really super active people. And mm-hmm. it just seems unfair, seems more unfair to take away because that's a, a person's way of life. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it seems like any of there's an, uh, it seems like a large percentage of people who have sarcoidosis. So I was a marathon runner, so maybe I'm just tuned into it. Oh, wow. you know? oh my goodness. Um, but you know, now I, now I can't run, you know? And And do you get mad? Because I get mad. Yeah. I get mad because I will like hear some music and I want to jam out in the kitchen and I'll start. And then (laughs) then it's like two minutes into it. My lungs are like, stop what you're doing. This is, this is not what we planned today. Please. And I will get mad. Like, come on lungs. I'm trying to have a dance party here. So yeah, sometimes I get, <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. I get mad. So how do we get more doctors to be like the doctor that listens to you? I think um, we need to expose them to 
what it's like for their patients. Because they're they're just looking at their, some, some of them are just looking at their patients as a chart or as, you know, a kind of like notch on a calendar. And I really think if they just kind of listen to, you know, patients and listen to your podcast, partnered with FSR, they would actually hear how everyday life is not, you know, it's not a bed of roses, right? The most, the littlest thing becomes the hardest thing. And that's what we need help with. So then we can have a good quality of life because they took an oath. Supposed to help their patients have a better quality of life or good outcomes. And I think if they really, really listen, they will be able to kind of make that leap to realize like they are dealing with a person. And you can't do a one size fit all for sarcoidosis because it's like, you know, it's a shape shifter. It presents differently in everybody. You got it. So do you hear from many people in your role as an advocate? Have have you kind of picked up that ball and run with it? Are people, are they discovering you? <laughs> I am hearing more about it. If you can believe this or not, the first four years I was, that I had sarcoidosis, I own, in my system, I only talked to one other person that had sarcoidosis. And I was like, I know damn well there's some other people that got sarcoidosis. They're not saying anything. And when I became an advocate, like after I came out of remission, that's when I started really making connections. And now I had a young lady come up to me at work because I put up the ignore no more poster and the coffee break area. And she actually asked me a question. She was like, do you have sarcoidosis? I'm like, yeah. Do you want to talk about sarcoidosis? I was like, I don't want to talk about numbers right now by the coffee machine, but I can talk about sarcoidosis. <laughs> so yes, I'm getting people to ask more questions. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And then, and then now your women's group, the African-American women's group, you guys have had, you haven't been around that long. So maybe a couple of meetings. Yeah. Yeah. We're fairly new, but we have hit the ground running. And then we have a big campaign coming up in February for Black History Month. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to definitely get the word out yeah do you think you think it's going to work i know it's going to work where there's an erica there's a way oh i like that where there's an erica <laughs> there's a way <laughs> wow. no i think it's wow. really going to work because we've done a lot of good like kind of groundswell just getting the conversation started and with fsr backing us it's a great partnership and we're going to do a lot of good work Good deal. Anything else you want to say, Erica? I would like to say to anybody that's listening to your podcast, um, keep listening to the podcast because it's, <laughs> it's really good. Um, you are not alone and sarcoidosis is not a death sentence. I promise you. So. Very good. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. I'm happy you had me on. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. So thanks to Erica. Thank you to the Women of Color Committee for all of their work. Remember, this is not exclusionary. It's not that FSR is only helping women of color. Let's look, look at it this way. You're running FSR. 
all right, or you're a doctor advising FSR. It's all the people there, all the experts that, that are the foundation for sarcoidosis research. And you're looking around, you're reading the landscape, and let's call that landscape a field of fires, all right? There's fires here, there's fires there, da, da, da. Well, where are the big fires? Where are the biggest fires? Where's the biggest danger? Where, you know, where is that fire closer to burning down a house, you know, as opposed to just burning up some trees? Where, where, where do we go need to go protect a house or a garage or a neighborhood or something like that, like a forest fire out west? And let's go attack that with vigor. And the women of color stand out because of all the issues that we've discussed, more likely to get it, less likely to be able to seek treatment. That's where that fire is really encroaching on a group of people. And the foundation is saying, we got to go protect that, that group right now. It's, that's the emergency. Among, among a bunch of emergencies, that's the biggest emergency. But as I pointed out in the interview, Erica and I are both taking as a theoprene, right? So we come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. She's a black woman. I'm a white male. I have neurosarc. She's got sarcoidosis on her vocal cords, but the doctors are giving us the same treatment. So any advancement that's going to help her is probably going to help me or people like me or people like you. And so the, the fact is, is that together we will all get there, okay? And so, so don't feel like you are being excluded because Erica and, and her group, which are studying this and putting their cases forward, uh, are getting a, a, a bit of attention right now. That's okay. That's important. That's, that's where the fire is about to encroach on a large group of people. That's, that's the neighborhood, and we've got to protect that neighborhood right now so the fire doesn't burn down all those houses, okay? I hope that's a good way of looking at it, and I appreciate Erica and the, uh, and the committee's work. So together, people, we will get there, all right? We, we are all in this fight together, and we will get there. All right. Remember the official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. You can hear Mark's story, the story behind the lyrics in episode 12. Occasionally, I play the entire song for you at the end of an episode, and I did that at the end of episode 41. You might want to go back and listen because he is singing our song. Uh, he really is. And, uh, and I think you will, uh, if you listen to those lyrics, it's going to make sense to you. I call this the Sark Fighter Podcast because I'm fighting Sark, so are you. Whether you're a caregiver, a patient, a researcher, this is where we all gather. A lot of people tell me they feel like they're all alone, and I want to let you know that there is a reason for hope. I release this podcast every other Monday. And as I'm speaking today, once again, my trusty dog, Dougal, my boxer, is curled up on the chair here in my office slash studio. Please don't go back. Uh, don't forget to go back and listen to some bonus episodes of the Sark Fighter podcast on Sark and COVID, another bonus episode on dealing with prednisone. And just last week, I uploaded a bonus recording from the FSR special called Universal Barriers in Dealing with a Rare Disease. 
looking at all the unique differences we have in dealing with sarcoidosis and how that can make it difficult for different groups of people. So please go back and listen to that. I can tell from my analytics, it's actually been very popular. So go back and give it a listen. I think you'll like it. Uh, I was uh, the moderator of that discussion. And if you're new here trying to just figure out what sarcoidosis is, Try listening to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. That is one of the most listened to episodes. If you want to know my deal, go back. My story is episode one, how it crept up on me and took a long time for me to become diagnosed. Uh, and also the backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson, who sat down at their kitchen table uh, 20 some years ago, 21 now, I guess and said, we need to start a foundation. And Andrea is a fellow Sark fighter, and she shares her story along with her husband, Redding. So uh, that is a great episode to go back and listen to. Please send me an email in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. Follow the Sark fighter on Instagram and on Facebook. On Instagram, it's the Sark fighter with the word the in front of Sark fighter. On Facebook, just do a search for Sark Fighter and you'll get it. I appreciate your interest in this podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show if you share it on your social media. And if you like it, just tell one person in your space. Uh, I've had a number of uh, physicians come on and say their patients come in and tell them about the podcast. And that lets me know that we're reaching the right people. Please give the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks again to Erica Courtney Mann for joining me here today. And let's hope that all of her hard work and outreach uh, continues to make the world better for those of us fighting sarcoidosis. And having said that, until next time, keep fighting. Fade